Blog Talk Radio. Dirty talk of any kind might offend you. This would not be the show for you. But you know that's why you tune in, my desperados. I hope everybody's well. I would like very much to know if it's ever going to be sunny again. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the amazingly wicked one herself, the incredible Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching. I am so excited about this hour. It has been almost a year in the planning. My guest today is the wonderful Daniela Cinema. Hello, my friend. How are you? Hello, Raina. I'm so happy to be here. It is an honor. It is a pleasure. I have been waiting for, as you said, one year <laughs> to have this conversation. Oh, I know, and I'm, you know, I got so far ahead of myself and so excited because not only do you have one book, you actually have two books that I'm super excited about that I know with, I with I a third one coming. With a third one coming, as she said, um, I also want to point out that Daniela and I will be looking for you guys at Mystic South in beautiful Atlanta, Georgia, next month. We will be there. Uh, we will be talking live again. And Daniela will be giving a workshop. And it, I'm just so excited about all of this, as you can tell. Um, so, Daniela, I have to ask some questions because I am not very experienced with fairy culture, uh, fairy tradition. Mm-hmm. literature. I have very limited, limited experience. As a matter of fact, my only experience with fairies of any kind was 40, almost 40 years ago with my first husband, who was very into um, the fairy traditions and learning more and had many, many interactions that I did not have. I only had one. So you've got to experience Explain to me how this comes about. I also want to, even though the book has not yet been released, I also want to talk about your memoir because I got super <laughs> excited and jumped the gun and, and put up all the information about that first. Um, but this book, um, Where Fairies Meet, which is the book we are actually talking about mostly today, um, is a wonderful uh, parallel of the the. Irish and Romanian traditions because, and you, you draw on that because you yourself are Romanian, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you come to I this? don't even know where to begin <laughs> because it's <laughs> such a multi, multi-layered multi um, topic. 
Um, I would like to say that my interest in, in fairies um, grew up as I grew up with my grandmother, who was a fairy seer. So ah. these were um, experiences that I had. They occurred spontaneously. And I would go and ask my grandmother, hey, what did I just see? What did I just witness? What was that that just happened? And this is how I began to learn that what I was experiencing and seeing was related to beings called fairies. Now, um, in Romania, I grew up with this knowledge and understanding and, again, experience of fairy beings, not as tiny and, um, you know, winged and um, harmless for most part. I'm not denying that <laughs> such beings exist and I actually did have right. encounters and experience of, of, of that kind of um, fairy as well. But back then, what I was dealing with and what my grandmother was working both with and for um, are really powerful, um, tall beings, um, very imposing in their demeanor and um, scary <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to some extent, very much awe-inspiring, respect-demanding. Um, they can give gifts, gifts of knowledge, gifts of healing, um, abundance, propitiated, propitiated. They can be of help and assistance, um, but they also demand. They demand service. They demand, and I, I learned this from my own grandmother, so they demand that the person um, who works with actually works with them. So they have certain requests. So that is like broad strokes about Romanian fairies, the way they, they appear in older bodies of lore. And then, of course, we have more modern lore um, that blends in fantasy elements and older themes that have been developed into literature, and some of them rendered more benign and less scary, so they can also fit children literature and, and, and books. So um, that aside... I um, came about at some point in my, my life, I came about Irish fairy traditions. And I was just awestruck to realize the degree of parallelism. Mm -hmm. And in learning about the as she, this beings commanding respect, very powerful, tall, appearing, shining, and peerless. Um, beauty, some of them willing to help humans, but also punishing mercilessly passers. Uh -huh. So they were like a um, um, pairing, good pairing with Romanian fairies. And digging through the lore and through the folklore, I grew up with a passion for, for folklore and especially fairy-related stories and, and, and traditions. So digging up through both, um, I, I really um, had the urge, the, the, the compulsion. This is something that I, I need to bring to the world, to the attention of a more general public. 
um, mm-hmm. this parallelism in between traditions and between how these beings appear in, in, in two different cultures. And I had to be very careful how to do this because I do not want mm-hmm. to put the idea that all fairies is just one kind of fairy and whatever it is, it's the same thing everywhere because they are diverse in the same way as people inhabiting Romania and people inhabiting Ireland are different, are diverse. And they are uniquely beautiful, but there is also a broad common denominator that these fairy populations um, share. And um, this is my experience with, with fairy. I can tell you that they are from my the way I relate with them, uh, to them. Um, They are beings that inhabit another world that um, we can say it is adjacent to ours, overlap, overlaps to our reality, so they can transition um, from one side to the other, and they can take on different degrees of corporality, both Romanian and Irish fairy lore, speak about people interacting in very tangible physical way with these um, beings, playing sports together, having children together. Wow. So that's not physical. Wow. I mean, I don't know what else is physical. Yeah, right. <laughs> Proof oh, of. Wow. So, yes. And there are also um, non-physical. They can also be experienced like non-physically, only those who have this second sight could actually see them while other people can actually see their presence or kind of get proof, tangible proof of their presence, objects disappearing. And I say, um, like something goes away, disappears from the very place you left it five minutes ago. And you Uh go around and you search and, I mean, you're driven mad by the search. And then you turn around and you find whatever you're looking for, sitting there in plain sight where you left it a few minutes ago. Um, Like, obviously, you could have not missed it. So, disappeared and and returned. And other little tricks of the sorts that they, that happen, um, which Mm -hmm. usually, um, it bears the fairy signature. So, that would be like in a nutshell, broad stroke, anything else specific that you'd like me to tell you about fairies? Well, yeah, um, a lot of things, actually, because I'm so not, I have, I mean, my knowledge level is so infinitely small, <laughs> but my my thing with them is I am quite frankly afraid of them because yes. <laughs> the, the, Good. the stereotypes <laughs> Well, no, seriously, because the interaction that I have heard about um, is so, mm-hmm. if you don't, you can't, this is not a game. They don't play. If you're, no. if you're not 100% clear and 100% there respecting and doing uh, the things that are required, because apparently there are different requirements depending on where you mm-hmm. are on your path, like any path. Um, but 
they they can they can mess you up. They can smack you around oh, yeah. pretty well. So I have a healthy fear and respect and distance. Um, do mm-hmm. they do they specifically want certain people? Do they want everyone's acknowledgement? What what are they trying to get us to accomplish? What do they want us to accomplish with or for them? Mm-hmm. I'll give you my perspective on this, and probably you'll get Please. as many perspectives, as many fairy witches or fairy seers you're going to talk to. Um, mm-hmm. So firstly, I want to tell that the fear that you have is, um, and that healthy dose of fear and respect is a very healthy place to consider approaching fairies or to consider being around fairies. Um, there is traditional, both in Romania and in Ireland, to not to invite them in your house or very close to your property. So you would just leave offerings. In the same time, you want this good neighbor type of relationship. We don't have to become super close to one another. We don't have to really pay visits to one another. But let's be just good neighbors, which means um, traditionally there is this um, idea of putting a healthy distance between us and them. And how do you put a healthy distance without being offensive? Because you can just put iron all around your property and put there like, it's like a declaration of, you know, hostile intent. And I'm not oh. sure this is the right way to start relationships with neighbors. So sure. what, is, what is recommended is leaving offerings farther away from the, you know, property line and closer to where it's, it's like their place. Usually fairy hills mm-hmm. in, in Ireland, people have fairy mounds on their properties. So uh, in Romania, there were places known to belong to fairy people and or liminal places such as by waters, specific trees, mm-hmm. where offerings would be left on, on certain occasions such as on May Eve, such as um, what's known in Christian tradition as Pentecost. Um, there's actually a Romanian feast of Rusali when certain types of fairies are being acknowledged and there's offerings made for them. So this is like the neutrality. We're giving you, we're honoring, acknowledging, but we don't want anything closer than that. Then, Mm -hmm. one step deeper into your question, there are certain people who for one reason or another get their attention and they, so to speak, call into service. For lack of a better wording, I would say this call into service. And when I'm talking about this calling into service, I have my own grandmother in mind who learned from her own grandmother, learned, relatively speaking, because this is not something that you can really learn. Um, 
I have to make a parenthesis here. I've heard once a okay. very good comparison between fairies being like cats. They will come and sit next to you whenever it suits them. You may have all the good intent in the world, you know, to give Kitty a good scratch or play or cuddle with. If the cat is not in the mood, she's not going to approach you. So, close parenthesis. With furries, it's a little bit the same. You may want to interact with them, and I'll go in just a second, what would be the reasons for us to want to interact with beings who are indeed dangerous. So we may leave offerings, we may go there and read poems to them and recite invocations and nothing may happen. And there are the other people who do not really seek any kind of fairy attention yet get plenty of it. To my understanding, this is something that um, happened to my grandmother. She was curious about what her grandmother was doing, but wasn't necessarily seeking to get into, into fairy seership, but she just had the second sight and um, began interacting with them, and then she learned how to make offerings, how to receive advice and knowledge, particularly for healing from them. And uh-huh. then fourth generation, my mother had zero interest and no inclination. She was a psychic, gifted in other ways, but zero inclination in fairy dealings. And uh-huh. there I was, super interested. And being at my grandmother's heels all the time. And she wouldn't didn't want to tell me too much because the times were, the whole situation was very complex. This is during the communist regime when there is a, the, the school, the learning system is very politicized. And you don't teach kids about occult and supernatural. You want to keep them very materialistic in their thinking and education and upbringing and all that. So she didn't know how much she could tell me I was curious and pushing for more answers. Um, And then Ferry's interactions begin to happen like to the next level. And uh, she realized that if she's not teaching me things, um, I'm not safe. So speaking of, now I'm putting the things together with with safety. So um, Ferry's are unpredictable in their intent and behavior, largely. Um, Just like we humans, we have our own, and each culture um, around the globe has its own particularities. So it could be easy for people people from two different cultures not to understand each other, precisely because different gestures or customs could be understood differently. What's appropriate sure. on one side may not be appropriate on the other side. And so it's same with us and the many, to make things more complicated, fairies themselves, they're not a unified body of, of a population. They're of many kinds. Even within one culture, right. there are so many groups. So um, there is danger of being 
uh, misunderstood, there is danger in approaching them without knowing what they care about, what's, what is good fairy etiquette, how do you show respect. Um, so, yeah, there is danger in, in the sense that when, when offended, they will react. That is for certain. And um, you don't want to be in that, in that zone. On the other hand, mm. approached with respect, I think human-fairy partnership is a great thing. Um, I believe that um, their presence is necessary into our world. We have assisted over the past 2,000 years, give or take, 1,500-something, um, to fairies being pushed out and farther away and their image undermined and their powers um, scoffed at and not taken seriously. And right. aside from disrespecting and not only disrespecting but disregarding knowledge and wisdom that is contained within fairy lore, we as human civilization, we lost a lot. I mean, look, it, it's not me saying it. It's, it's enough to look around and see what's the situation, um, Earth's ecosystems failing and all else. So oh, yeah. by bringing the fairies back, by ushering back in those energies, there is actually an attempt to restore balance. They are dangerous, absolutely, agreed. But there is yeah. a lot of danger within nature in general. Um, storms sure. are necessary. Uh, even wildfires in their context are necessary. Bears, um, wolves, snakes are necessary. So we cannot really close the door, shut the door onto something that we perceive of danger, as dangerous but do not understand its role within the larger ecosystem. So, yeah, yeah, so that's why we actually would like to have them back and those who feel called to follow a fairy path, I would say start by making friends with the fairies and the beings that are in the home and on the land um, that you inhabit. Um, read the lore and then see to what degree personal experiences and interactions that you have uh, mirror or match what's in the lore. This is one of the intents behind writing the first book where fairies meet. It is actually the first ever written study that brings side by side Romanian and fairy and uh, Irish fairy lore. Um, yeah. So I, I brought in plenty of material and stories so people get a sense of both the dangers, like what happens yeah. if you disrespect the fairies who claim dominion over that patch of woods or claim dominion over that abandoned mine. What happens if? But it's also what happens if 
you're generous, you're brave, um, you act courteous, and you're correct and, and respectful in, in, in their regard. So um, it's not always bad, <laughs> I'm trying oh, to say. no, 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 not at all. But, and I will tell you that the one interaction that I did try to have on my own, separate from my first husband, um, because obviously not a clue, didn't know what I was doing, early 20s, <laughs> had not been exposed to fairies in that regard that I knew of before and was going basically off of whatever knowledge he had shared with me. And I tried mm-hmm. to get their attention, and I was completely shut down and ignored. And I'm like, okay, I'm, you don't, don't want me. You're not looking for me. Okay. <laughs> and I knew at that point not to press the issue because you can't force a relationship with anything, or nor should you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew immediately, okay, back up. If they want you, they'll let you know. And for me, I have been respectfully distant because I don't know mm-hmm. enough to make problems for myself, which I don't want to, um, because the Hollywood image of fairies is so mm. unlike the reality from what I understand. And I, again, I have very limited mm-hmm. understanding, but my understanding does in fact say if you don't understand the lore and you don't understand what you're doing, stay away until you have appropriate knowledge, because I can make enough problems for myself all by myself. I don't need any company whipped off and looking for my ass. Daniela, am I right or wrong? Sometimes you have to back up and say, maybe this is, everything is not for everybody. Um, And I'm sure that there's a quantity of folks who feel like, you know, as much as they might want this relationship, if you don't know what you're doing, perhaps it is best to acquire more knowledge, like anything magical. You know, all magic deserves respect and communication and clear intention. And, you know, the universe will tell you one way or another, um, this is for you, this is not for you. you I mean, mm-hmm. we all have that sensibility that we you know, we don't necessarily need a brick to fall on our heads, although I think my ex-husband got smacked with one by a fairy for being stupid. But that's oh. okay. um, well, yeah, there's, there's reasons why he's my ex-husband. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> a healthy respect, because the Hollywood thing, it's much like the Hollywood view of which is, you know, how we've been marginalized as, you know, old uh-huh. hags and always, you know, flying on brooms yep. and all of this this stuff. You know, fairies yes. or the fae, as they're also referred, um, have this image that Hollywood makes very safe for children, as you had mentioned earlier, um, of sweet and sprightly and harmless. And I have found <laughs> that to be the complete opposite of the truth or the reality of it, at least in my experience. That isn't to say Mm -hmm. all interaction is is terrifying and frightening. My very first guided interaction with them was, again, through my first husband, and it was a lovely, lovely interaction, and I really don't want to go too much into that Mm -hmm. because I don't want to color anybody's view of what their experience 
could be or might be if they're first mm-hmm. getting into this lore and knowledge and wanting this kind of interaction or being called to this interaction. Um, but my, my, my one true intense interaction was quite lovely, but it was awe-inspiring and it was scary at the same time. Is that mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's a lot more intense than folks would think it is, isn't it? Yes. Um, I, can, I can share with you something that happened um, last year. So I was in Ireland and mm-hmm. traveled with a friend, and she insisted that she wants to have a fairy experience. And I'm like, look, oh. I have been called instructed by my fairy guides to travel to certain places. So if you want to come along, then you're welcome. Um, We're going to make offerings. We're going to approach them, you know, in the most respectful way. I mean, I've learned enough until now about fairy etiquette. And we don't really pound, you know, like don't pound a fist on the table and say, hey, I want to see a fairy, because this is not how it goes. We just go there and enjoy the the energy and what is to happen. We'll take it as it comes. So we go there and um, so this and and we we, we split, so this is a a, um, stone circle. I don't want to give the the name of the place, if that's okay. Um, so it's one of the many stone circles. And there's a hawthorn growing there. So it's a fairy tree. Known as a fairy tree, not every single hawthorn is a fairy tree. Um, but this one has a reputation. And um, my friend just wanted to sit down and meditate there. So she's sat on a stone across from the tree and I went in a different direction because I wanted to do a little bit of a meditation, a little ceremony just by myself. So I had my own experience and it was rattling enough. So I'm coming back and I find my friend like not trotting, um, but moving kind of disjointed into place. Ooh. And it's like, where are you? Where are you? Where have you been? Where, where, where did you disappear? And like, I was 20 feet away or 50 feet away from you. No, you are not there. You are not there. And she's crying. And I'm like, what happened? I saw a fairy. I saw a fairy. It crossed through the circle floating above the ground right here in front of me and I could not find you. And like, oh, welcome to my world. You wanted to see a fairy, right? <laughs> right. So it wow. was the experience and she's like, I don't know if whether so she didn't know whether she was um I mean what was the percentage of feeling really scared? What was the percentage of feeling elated and in awe? Because it was it was a vision, um, of course, a vision of the supernatural, if you will. Sure. So, um, but definitely the, the experience was was pretty rattling, and um, 
your approach, your take on it is, is, is very sound. Don't get there unless you're prepared, unless you really know lore and folklore and tradition. And listen to the stories that even they may seem exaggerated and um, um, for our modern taste and what's the level of knowledge and technology that we enjoy today. We may consider some things, you know, overrated. Still look carefully uh-huh. into them because they contain truths that didn't change. There are some, some things that are immutable. They don't change over time. So the essence right. of what's there, it's the same. They may appear differently. Our interaction may change, you know, in its surface, but the essence stays the same. So it can be terrifying as much as it can be beautiful. And um, the other thing that, that you said that makes absolutely good sense to me, um, if they don't want you, that's fine. Back off. But also, if yeah. they really want you and you really feel the call in and the inkling, maybe you should go in that direction. I know in my case, and this, this is um, what I'm saying now, is fully explained in the second book, um, the, A Fairy Path, the memoirs of a fairy, young fairy seer in training. Um, at some point... I did something that offended them, and I, I was a child. I was not even 10 years, ah, about 10 years old when I, I said something very offensive. Offensive. I'm not going to spoil the book. <laughs> so okay. I offended them badly. And the um, slap on my wrist was instant. And then uh, they disappeared. They pulled out from my life. And at first, I really wanted them back. And no matter what I did for the next year or so, I was completely ignored. And later on, and when I say later on, was like 20-something years later, which for fairies, 20-something years, it's nothing. But for me as a human, that's a significant amount of time. Sure. So 20-something years later, they came back, and I was like, you know, something, my life is so good without that component to it, and it wasn't well-received. So me turning the back was not well-received. And I went through a whole lot um, until one day I was, really okay I think I really need to embrace that side of me and accept it and just walk this path and I found a lot of support in the work of of authors and 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 teachers who had very similar experiences like myself so having helped having good teachers and having good mentors was sanity saving and then it came the moment when I surrendered and I'm like, okay, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. And um, there's a one-way road. So you reach the point of no return. And I wouldn't uh-huh. have it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's wonderful. 
I mean, it's wonderful if you know what you're doing. It's wonderful if you're called to it. You were lucky in the regard of having it already in your family because mm-hmm. I don't know very many, and I don't know very many people who have a history of it in their family. So for me, coming at it as an outsider, I'm a lot more um, scared, <laughs> which which um, I would be. Which is normal, I think. Your your reaction is the right one. And I remember as as a child, so when I started to really be nosy about what's happening and I want to know what grandma's doing and who is she talking to and all that. Um, right. She's very reluctant. She's like, you do not understand. You have to have a certain age. You have to have discernment. Um, you have, and as a child, and it's like a full confession in that book, in the memoir, um, I was this perfect script for disaster. Um, big oh, mouth. It comes as a surprise, I know. Um, um, very, but, but I was, <laughs> I was a lot more angrier and always bent on revenge. If a child or someone wronged me in some way, oh, I had to pay back. And my grandmother told me that that's not somebody whom I can entrust with any kind of magic. Right. She's like, right. no way. And um, she's like, yes, you have the gift, what she called us the gift. That's, that's the um, expression that, that, that she used. Yes, you have the gift, and what are you going to do with it? It's like you're a keg of powder. Do you really expect me to, to give you the box of matches to play with it? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I totally understand now, back then, I didn't. But now I understand better the um, the apprehension and the reservation sure. around um, let's not mess up with things that can be potentially dangerous. Lay a foundation instead and work on character building and mm, be able to handle your emotions and be able to handle rejection without blowing a fuse when it happens and then right. you can learn magic then you can learn to approach respectfully whether it's deity or fairy or other kind of beings so that's so true that is so absolutely true um when your emotions are all over the place and i find sometimes that i run into people who are first coming into witchcraft and Part of the reason is, I mean, part of the reason a lot of us got into witchcraft is because of the empowerment thing and feeling disempowered and Mm -hmm. finding a place where we could be loved and accepted by others, our chosen family, as opposed to our physical family, and it's a place of great comfort. But when you come at Mm -hmm. anything, now, it's not to say that anger can't be channeled. Of course it can. Oh, yeah. Um, but you, but you have to be able to be in control of it, which is why when young folks come to us and, and want to learn about magic, it's like, ooh, I don't want you to hurt yourself. I don't want you to hurt anybody else, you know. <laughs> yep. And, like, when I, I first pr- approached my mentor when I was 16, and he was like, nope, you're not ready. <laughs> you're just not ready. And, that, I mean, seriously, I got turned away. 
And it took years and years of dedication and proving I could control myself because at 16, you know, you're all over the oh. place as far as Ooh, yeah. <laughs> all of your hormones being everywhere at once and nowhere at the same time and you know, not having <laughs> real control and discernment and foresight um, about the magic you cast, boomeranging or really hurting yourself more than it's hurting anybody else. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. idea of harm men is don't hurt yourself either. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always good to have a level of maturity about whatever it is magically that you're working on. But I wanted to ask you, um, when it comes to spirits, land spirits, water spirits, these are not fairies. Are they, con- I mean, are they fairies? Are they confused for <laughs> fairies? I just think it's an important question. It's very important, and I love it. I love the question. Um, well, the answer is depending whom you ask. Um, okay. As I said, stated earlier, fairies, as intended by the Irish lore, and the Romanian lore, and, or the, the Alfar, if we speak of North Germanic traditions, the elves, um, they're not really mm-hmm. connected, like, they're not uh, wood sprites, or plant spirits per se, or spirits of a certain land feature. Um, mm-hmm. Plant spirits and other... Um, spirits of places are different categories. Nature spirits would be a different category. Um, now, fairy, when I use the term fairy, I use it generally as an, as an umbrella. And it's an umbrella big enough that can accommodate a large variety of beings. So if someone chooses to fit the spirit of dandelion under the fairy umbrella, and by the way, I'm not saying spirit of dandelion in any disrespectful or diminishing way, because dandelion is a plant ally with a very powerful spirit and an immensely strong medicine, which I work with um, in partnership with and I honor when I work with. Uh, but it's not the same thing as the fairies that I grew up with and uh, my fairy allies. So mm-hmm. if somebody wants to put plant allies and spirits of different rocks and trees under the fairy umbrella, that's fine by me. I'm not going to go about and tell people, you don't call that a fairy, you call that a fairy. Because depending who their teachers were, and whom they study with, they may have a different understanding. But what I found um, uh, harmful, and I will not um, listen to this passively, when people are telling me that the only fairies are the plant fairies and the tree spirits and the land features, and there's no fairy other than that. So that's where I'm going to take a stand and say, no, this is okay. not correct. And not because I say it, it's because hundreds of years of folklore informs us otherwise. So um, they, um, speaking of 
spirits of flowers and herbs. They can, they can be part of the fairy population, but fairy population overall is not reduced to um, plant spirits and herb spirits. So that's my, my take on it. Yeah, no, I was wondering if people confuse them because I would think that mm-hmm. if you're not, if you're not, you know, if, you're, if it's not something you've studied, it would be easy to make that assumption or mistake or uh-huh. well, some, I just say it. Assumption. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes we need someone to teach us that there are differences in these entities so that we don't yes. mistakenly treat them in such a way that they do find insulting or disrespect. Yeah, and, and you, just, you just hit the nail on the head there. Um, when you didn't read or when you didn't learn, so that's the whole point, read and learn um, mm-hmm. and listen. And it's really hard to find reliable resources one of the problems that I, fi- I find, and it's concerning, um, fantasy. Uh, so things oh, that are yeah. being strict, pure fantasy. And by the way, I love reading fantasy. Um, yeah. But when fantasy begins to replace, just because it looks nicer or it sounds better or it gives you an answer that you really, really, really crave for, it doesn't mean that it can substitute, it can replace traditional lore, which is probably not as appealing to certain modern tastes or, or audiences. So right. that's, that's a, that's a right. problem. <laughs> Well, and I find that to be a problem in a lot of things, including, mm-hmm. you know, just real-world issues where people want to substitute their own reality for actual reality. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. all well and good to have a certain opinion of things. You can have all yes. the opinion, opinions you want, but you can't have your own facts. Facts are facts. Opinions are opinions, mm-hmm. and they are not the same thing. And I do find that folks get in trouble with that, too. Yep, I totally agree. I mean, that, that, that pertains to fairy lore and, as you said, everything else around us. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I do, I do want to, and we, we don't even have a lot of time left. And mm. I think Where Fairies Meet is a really great book, but I'm so excited about <laughs> the memoir of a young fairy senior in training I'm really so excited about that book. Um, what pushed you so quickly after writing Where Fairies Meet to write this next book, which is really an autobiography? Yes. The short answer to that, who pushed me to write it, is fairies. Um, I have my own... <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, really... So I had so they they pushed me to write this um, you know the first book. It was like yep. you have to do it and you're not taking a break on, until it's done. So it was in like I don't know three months something like this. One book was done, and then uh-huh. it was the pressure um, again them telling me you have to do this 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 other one. 
and um, kind of the guidance that I um, received from them was you have to have the courage to put these things out there because if you don't, they're going to not be known and die with you. And you don't want that. You are not the only one in this situation, but you are lucky enough to have an experience that can help so many other young people, young witches, young adults from all walks of life to connect with experience that um, they might have had and they're trying to rationalize out. They are trying to uh, muffle from fear of being rejected, from fear of being labeled with some, uh, you know, pathology. Um, And you, you have to put yourself out there and let the world know that this is, um, this is something that, that happens and it is real and it is powerful and beautiful, both scary and beautiful. So there was pressure on me <laughs> to get it done. Oh, and no. I, 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 <laughs> oh, wow. I did it. And yeah. then I, this is what, oh, so yeah. just shortly after, after I finished the book, um, I had uh-huh. one of the, the furry beings that I haven't seen in I don't know how many years, probably 30 years or so. She came and said, oh, now you are released from the contract. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't even know there was a contract. And she said, well, yeah, there, there, there was a contract. You should be aware. And in writing the book and actually rereading my own book, I realized that at some point I gave like this rain check to oh. certain fairy beings. And, yeah. I was held accountable for that range check for 40 years. And this is how the book came out and when it came out. Um, yeah. So I have to so, assume that when you were being pushed to write the second book, well, and even the first book, it, it mm-hmm. sounds to me like you, ha- you were able to produce these works in a fairly short amount of time which would mm-hmm. be divinely inspired or guided. And it makes yes. total sense because in, in Where Fairies Meet, you discuss the lore and parallels between two different types of lore, two different countries' lore. Mm-hmm. But without the step or an example of how to respect, or how to find, or how to communicate with an entity, it's it's difficult. So, of course, it makes sense that your memoir is right after that, because there has Mm -hmm. to be some kind of a map, a guide, uh, a way for folks who are trying to relate to um, the fairy path, as it were, there, you know, there's not a whole lot of, well, this is what I do and this is how I do it. And, you know, a lot of the time the reader is left with their own imagination or devices or looking for similarities in themselves mm-hmm. in folklore, but they still may not have the tools to engage appropriately. The fact that you wrote this memoir, which you're going to have to come back on to discuss when the book is released, I just don't I would love it. to. Um, wonderful. Um, you, you, you give a way, you give a roadmap, you mm-hmm. give a path to 
to at least, if not directly follow, but ideas on this is what I mm-hmm. did that worked, this is what I did that didn't work. So I'm very excited about the next book coming out, which gets released in January, if I'm correct. Yeah, it was um, supposed to be December 8th, but now it's January 1st, I believe. Yes. So I'm, you know, so while you're digesting and considering where fairies meet, I just want folks to know that they have your memoir to look forward to pretty much right after. It's coming up fast. We're already through the first, almost the first half of the year. It's almost over. Mm-hmm. Um, time yeah. flies. It flies quickly. So I have to ask, do you want to yes. give me any hints about book number three? Oh, um, let me put it quickly from book one to book three. Book one okay. is written in, like from the perspective of someone of the observer, so someone from outside who creates this uh, comparison in between cultures and uses a lot of story material to illustrate the parallels and, and, and the differences, I mean the similarities and the differences. But this is, again, the observer. Then uh, the second one, the memoirs, comes in and shows the fairy world and the experience of the fairy, which the insider, like a child's eye and experiences growing through it. And that book, the memoirs, ends with a whole collection of charms and practical spells, exactly what you, you have said, tools for people to use and adapt and to implement um, in yeah. creating relationships with fairies and do fairy magic if they so feel inspired. And book three is the book that I wish I had all these years at hand. Mm-hmm. It is called Fairy Herbs for Fairy Magic, A Practical Ooh. Guide to Fairy Herbalism. So this is um, an anthology. Well, it's not, not an anthology. It's a collection it runs yeah. through, um, like, broadly European. It goes into Irish, a uh, little bit on in, in Scottish, uh, Germanic, Icelandic, Romanian, fairy lore and uh, herbal lore and traditions, and how herbal materials have been used by um, fairy witches and uh, fairy doctors across the times. And as usual, the uh, practical component is very substantial. Everything ends up with this is how you use it for this and this purpose, whether it's house cleaning or uh, personal protection or attracting abundance. Um, This is how you use these herbs, and this is how you use it in a very specific context. So it's not like general magic herbalism. It's very related. So... Wow. That's the whole thing. Oh. Three books in two years. That's, Under pressure because you're like, go, 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 go. I'm like, come on, give me a break. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Not until you're done. Yeah, when, you're, when you're inspired and you're directed to, to put out works that are not already out there, or to put them out in such a way that it's a new take on it or another approach. It's so important that we share this information. As you have said earlier, information that isn't shared dies with the person that has it. Mm-hmm. And there's no, 
and there's no point to that at all. So yep. it's important that you get the information out uh, when you are so directed because there may be other things coming behind it that you need to lay this groundwork first. Once you mm-hmm. get these books out, I'm sure you are not done. I am sure it will be much more than three books. And I, I have two so more assigned. Forward. See? But like I said, um, and we did not have this conversation beforehand. I could just tell. Um, yes. But, yeah, you, you've got to share your knowledge for those who are seeking, for those who might eventually be seeking it. Um, you don't, we don't know who's coming behind us that wants this knowledge or will need this knowledge. So, yeah, you've got to put it out there. I'm absolutely ecstatic that you are. I cannot <laughs> wait to see you in a couple of weeks and give you a few Oh, I can't wait. And sit, I know. And sit and talk to you because I haven't, we haven't had time to even just chat in almost a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm yep. looking forward to spending time with you. But before we go, because the hour is almost up, that was amazing. That was so fast. Um, Tell folks where they can find you if they have questions or if, you know, what classes you'll be teaching. Just share whatever information you are comfortable with. Uh, Go ahead. So the best way to reach me is Facebook, uh, Daniela Simina author page. Um, all information about classes, and I have an upcoming one in August that's going to be uh, Fairy Crafting, which is Foundations of Fairy Magic, how to start partnerships with fairies in safe and productive ways. Um, Simina Yoga, which is both my website and there's Simina Yoga Facebook. I would suggest go for the Facebook now because the website is under construction. And there is my uh, blog, Whispers in the Twilight, at blogspot.com, where um, there's ritual structures, stories, a lot of personal. That's where I put mostly my personal um, gnosis. So, yeah, and I hope to see everybody at Mystic South Conference (laughs) here in Atlanta, Georgia. That's right. And we're going to be there in a couple of weeks. So we invite everybody to come and hang out and say hello. Daniela, thank you again. The first book is Where Fairies Meet Parallels Between Irish and Romanian Fairy Traditions. Upcoming in January is A Fairy Path, the Memoir of a Young Fairy Seer in Training. So excited to see you in a couple of weeks, Daniela. Thank you again for hanging out with me for the hour. Thank you, Ryan. It was an honor. Thank you so much. Oh, all right. Talk to you. Bye. All right, everybody, I will be back on Saturday afternoon with Vinny and Martha, who wrote Thrifty Witchery. I'm so excited. We've been waiting to speak with each other for a number of months due to my illnesses and all kinds of crazy things. But I will see you on Saturday. Have a great Friday. Bye, everybody.